This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 421 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will preview the 2022-23 season where we assess Borussia Dortmund's transfer window and what puzzle pieces Sebastian Kiel might still need to add, how BVB will deal with the absence of record signing Sebastian Alea. We will discuss what our expectations are for the Black and Yellows this season and how we think they will stack up against league rivals and if time allows we will also post our best starting 11. For that and more joins me my dear co-host Lars Poimann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? When was I promoted to co-host, Stefan? <laughs> You've always been co-host. <laughs> I, I thought I was a pundit. Anyway, <laughs> here with me, pundit co-host <laughs> Lars Poimann. How are you doing, Lars? Fine, how are you, Stefan? <laughs> I'm, I'm great, thank you for asking. Uh, also with me here, Co-host, Pandit, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung.com. Hello, Konstantin, how are you doing? Uh, I would call myself occasional guest or something. I know. Okay. Okay? Is that... Is uh, that yeah. I, I also, also, you were quite hesitant before you uh, said last name. I was like, did, did you forget it or something? I, I did not think I was hesitant, no. Maybe I just uh, did a dramatic pause. I don't know. Well, that's not like you. All right. <laughs> anyway, so Konstantin, since you're the first one to uh, insult uh, you, yeah, insult me, <laughs> you get the first question, and which is, uh, you know, you you are now tasked with assessing Borussia Dortmund's transfer window in general and whether you think that there are any puzzle pieces that could still be missing. Well, I mean, at first they might need a new, new striker. No, uh, in a vacuum, I think that uh, transfer window, at least on the buying side was uh, quite successful um, because they found, a, I think at least, a suitable replacement uh, for Erling Haaland, at least all things considered, what you can actually buy uh, these days for reasonable money. Um, they found a new hybrid striker in Adeyemi, also not bad, especially because the winger department is a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit thin these days. Um, yeah, they, they uh, signed two centre-backs. Center um, some might think that's a little bit redundant, but I don't think so because uh, Mats Hummels is just, uh, w will not be able to play all the matches. Um, that's that's now safe to say because of his chronic patella tendon uh, problems. Um, and you have also the option to play a very decent back three with a Schlotterbeck on the left side especially. Um, and yeah, and Ötchan is kind of the Witzel replacement, but uh, in a way an upgrade to, of course, old man Witzel, who's now playing under Diego Simeone. What, what, a, <laughs> what a marriage that will be. Um, so yeah, I think overall was a quite successful transfer window um, and Dortmund invested much more money than I expected them to do. And um, yeah, some might say that maybe the left-back situation should have been solved in a different way. Um, but I don't. I think Dortmund would just. I mean, as we know now, they were just surprised how fit Rafa Guerrero was when he came back from holidays, uh, which bears the question what he did uh, the other six years. Um, but yeah, he surprised every, every everyone at the club, inside the club, um, especially Terzic and Kiel. And so yeah, Guerrero gets a next a new chance, and you don't have to invest forty million for David Raum. Um, uh, yeah. So overall, I think it was a successful uh, transfer window on the buying side. On the selling side, not so much, of course. I mean, Dortmund <laughs> are still behind that plan. Um, they have, haven't gotten rid of uh, Nico Schulz, Torgen Hassar, or a few others. And they are still essentially um, in a bit of a financial hole because the money that was invested in Schlotterbeck, um, part of it was um, money they planned uh, to get from the selling of Manuel Kanji, and as it stands, they won't sell Manuel Kanji for the for the uh, amount of money they plan to do. So there will be a bit of a minus there. Um, and of course, now as we know, after uh, Alaire's uh, diagnosis with testicular tumor, um, they have only eight million left to invest. Um, 
So if they sell Schultz and Hassar, maybe someone else, they won't get much money in. So yeah, they will maybe have 10 million to invest um, for uh, a signing, a signing of an other striker, be it on loan or be it at, uh, permanently. Um, yeah, but that's not much. And of course, it was unplanned to sign another striker, but uh, that's a bit of a, of a tricky situation. But I don't think you can really judge them for that uh, negatively because am I <laughs> how, how can you actually plan a scenario where you're... Uh, more key signing uh, gets a diagnosis like that a few weeks in. Yeah, uh, it it certainly is a very uh, sad news, and uh, it, you know it was quite shocking. I uh, I felt that uh, when you know Dortmund broke the news that uh, Sebastian Alia was diagnosed with testicular tumor. Uh, testicular tumor. Um, Lars, uh, your assessment of Dortmund's transfer window so far. Uh, what are you making of it? What are your hopes and dreams for uh, maybe uh, more signings or are you content with uh, how it's go gone so far? Well, first of all, while uh, obviously the diagnosis for Alea is quite shocking and, and drastic in, in many ways, I think uh, from a pure squad planning perspective, I don't necessarily see a difference to, say, an ACL injury, which can always happen. So... One could make the argument that Dortmund weren't really uh, planning for all eventualities uh, in you know this case by not having a, a secondary strike available, unless you want to count uh, the triumvirate of half strikers or whatever you want to say in uh, Adeyemi, Malen, and Mukoko, whom I would say, depending on exactly how many months which we now know it's going to be months and not weeks, uh, Alea is going to miss. I might be okay with those three, just because, uh, as Konstantin pointed out, there's not much money to be spent, and getting a striker on a shoestring budget, I don't think that's necessarily likely to be uh, someone who actually adds value instead of just being another body. So from, from that perspective, um, I think they were just caught out in a bad situation and now I have to deal with it. So that's obviously disappointing for them and, and also for us because I think it kind of took the to the wind out of a fairly promising uh, situation around the club in preseason. But I think there's still cause for optimism in other areas. I think I'm either ecstatic with the transfers they made in the cases of especially Özcan, Süle and Schlotterbeck or at least I understand why they made them in the cases of Adeyemi and even Alea. I mean, I'm not, as we talked about the last time I was on, necessarily the, the, the biggest admirer of Alea's, but I can certainly understand why they went for him and uh, also given what Konstantin said about the market situation for strikers, so that you kind of have to uh, accept some weaknesses in, in whoever was going to come in uh, after Holland left, so that was okay to me. Uh, Adeyemi, I mean, maybe I've just not seen enough of his yet, but I kind of think that he's a bit away from, you know, being a regular producer for Dortmund, if you like, and uh, spending 30 million on someone with that profile a year after spending pretty much the same amount on Marlin didn't necessarily strike me as the most necessary move, if that makes sense. But then again, I can still understand that Adeyemi was definitely leaving Salzburg this summer. And if you didn't get him now, uh, you know, Dortmund would never have had the chance to sign him unless he completely bombed at, uh, I don't know, Liverpool or whatever. And he's German, he's young, he has resale value if he doesn't work out. And there's certainly enough uh, talent and quality uh, to work out in Dortmund, even if perhaps it takes a bit longer than you would like a 30 million signing to take. So, yeah, I mean, as I said, every signing at least makes sense to me, if not, you know, a huge upgrade in all as uh, all areas. Um, I think depending on getting rid of, if we want to be unfair or, you know, unfriendly, uh, Schulz, Azar, maybe Brand, maybe Jan there might be an opportunity still to add a left back um, because uh, Guerrero, even if he has this great fitness values right now, I mean, he's still unlikely, I would say, to play uh, 45, 50 games this season, especially this season, given 
the Winter World Cup and the congestion of the schedule, especially in the first half of the season. I mean, they are playing like 10 Englische Wochen in a row before the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be quite difficult. And and behind him, you have Tom Rote, who's injured right now. You have Prince Anning, who I don't even know, is he really a left back? Is he more of a left wing back or uh, more of an attacking minded player anyway? So maybe that's something that they can still look at without, you know, splashing the cash on David Raum. Uh, and also, especially if the Alea situation and not being able to sign a suitable replacement, uh, which is kind of my theory right now, um, leads them to playing with a back three more often, which, I mean, also kind of solves a headache uh, that Terzic would have had there because obviously Zule is going to play. You don't spend 20 million on Schlotterbeck to sit him behind Hummels, but Hummels has also had a very promising preseason. He seems to be really fit right now. The the knee issues as of right now aren't a huge issue for him. So uh, if they play a back three, uh, I think they might be a centre-back short because Koulibaly obviously hasn't debuted, I think, in uh, for the senior team or for the first team rather. Uh, Emil John can do an okay job, I guess, uh, deputizing at center half, but assuming Akanji still leaves, which is kind of uh, the situation that's been reported, even despite necessarily, uh, you know, the most concrete of interests in him uh, on the transfer market, then I think they might need another center half, uh, right-sided center half, uh, especially, but I don't know if that's a likely uh, conclusion to this transfer window. I think in the last few years we've seen Dortmund be more okay with uh, acting on the winter market. So maybe if the first half of the season uh, shows a few vulnerabilities in squad planning outside of the uh, special situation around Alea, then maybe uh, in the winter would be a good time to add another center half, especially since uh, by that point they will probably know whether or not Mats Hummels will extend his career and uh, Dortmund contract because he's out of a deal at the end of the season and there are some rumblings, let's say, that I guess because of uh, the knee issues Konstantin mentioned, Hummels might hang up his cleats at the end of the season, so you might still need a centre-back uh, from July 1st, 23, so maybe there's an opportunity to get that in early. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, so far they have done business very early when it comes to, uh, you know, replacing Akanji and I guess uh, to some effect also Mats Hummels. I, I think that Zule and uh, Schlotterbeck will be uh, the number one pairing in the back four. But uh, yeah, as you said, uh, depth is certainly required. I would even say that uh, it is required right now. Um, obviously, as you guys said, left back position. Um, I, I see it even a bit more dramatic because... Um, as as much as I can appreciate the talent in Prince Anning, he's nowhere near Bundesliga level in my view, and Tom Rote also not quite there yet. So maybe uh, Rote is a guy who I would trust with minutes if you were three 0 up, maybe. But uh, you know, if if push comes to shove, I don't know how comfortable I am with seeing him at left back. But that being said, uh, there's also not that much. Uh, uh, of what we've seen in total of him. So, um, you know, obviously he can improve, develop and whatnot. And I think this is uh, definitely the plan. So I guess growing pains uh, are sort of priced into this uh, scenario. But uh, yeah, I'm not feeling very comfortable. But at the same time, I don't know if uh, spending 32 million on David Rome would have, uh, you know, been a savvy move. Uh, Konstantin, since you are a bit closer to Leipzig and... Uh, David Raum is, looks like uh, Leipzig are opening the purse, the purse strings uh, for him. Uh, is it is it a big loss in your assessment uh, that Dortmund are not getting him, but Leipzig a direct competitor are? Yes and no. I mean, there are there are some people uh, in the in the league now uh, essentially saying that Leipzig are ahead of Dortmund, and I think you can still dispute that uh, because I think like Leipzig's center midfield is not as strong as. Dortmund's um, because Jude Bellingham is like a, a notch above everyone else. If you just watch the preseason, it's like it's like astonishing. He's 
basically above everyone else inside Dortmund and um, so there, there's something uh, X factor, and I also think that Leipzig doesn't have the uh, don't have the kind of strong center back um, group. Maybe Quadriol, but the others are not that strong compared to Dortmund's. Um, Raum, of course, I mean, you will replace Agilinho, who's a bit of a wild card, has always been a wild card, um, and you will essentially replace him, or at least you know push him back into the second string. Um, so it makes it makes sense for Leipzig. That's the one one position they wanted to um, improve now at this point. Um, they might also sign Werner, Timo Werner, but a more on loan deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it might be a loss in a way because you, because Leipzig get him, David Raum, and because also, I mean, he's, he's, he's in a way perfect for that 3-4-1-2, which uh, Terchis now plays, uh, wants to play uh, in absence of uh, Alea. So with the with the back three and now Guerrero on the left side, which is still a little bit better than him being the left back, left wing back, still more of a position I think uh, where um, let's say Tertic can sleep well, comfortably, <laughs> um, and also I mean Raum at Dortmund. There is a, there would have been a kind of an interesting um, situation in terms of like German national team and Dortmund. Both then would have maybe Schlotterbeck Raum on the left side in the future. So there's a pairing you would have had, um, you know, in, in in both national team and club. And there could be, of course, the you know the, the synergies and just the understanding uh, would have been developed over time. Because what you what you uh, have seen in the past when David Raum played for the German national team, especially with uh, especially with uh, Schlotterbeck behind him. Schlotterbeck usually covered him a bit because he's very uh, Raum is a very aggressive left back or left wing back uh, who's who's essentially like like Alfonso Davis in a way who's, who's making the, all these progressive runs. So he needs someone who's covering a bit, and Schlotterbeck did that kind of well, not perfectly, but it's because it's very difficult to do that. Um, asked all the left-sided centre-backs at Frankfurt for covering uh, Kostic <laughs> over the years. But uh, I think, yeah, that would have been an, an advantage that you have basically the same pairing in the national team and in Dortmund. But um, yeah, it, it won't, won't be that way because Leipzig, they have still money to spend um, and they will do that in signing probably signing David Raum I mean the negotiation stopped a few days ago as far as I know but uh, Leipzig they will probably improve the offer and uh, essentially spend almost all that uh, remaining budget on David Raum and get him most likely and Dortmund will just stick to Guerrero and also uh, when when we talked about the other left backs uh, just shortly uh, Tom Rode Tom Rode is liked among the academy uh, people because he played uh, played a great campaign for the under-19 team when he played for them, especially with Bino Gittens on the left side. There was the pairing there and in a more traditional 4-2-3-1 system. Um, the higher-ups at Dortmund don't value Tom Rote that highly because he's so tall and he's a left-back. They, they just It's a little bit off-putting to some people uh, at Dortmund, basically. That why is he so tall and is he a left-back? Uh, but I think, I mean, just you have to look beyond that a little bit and, and assess it just uh, more fairly. And I think actually a um, very tall left wing back could be an advantage for like diagonal balls to the far post. I mean, you know, basically, why not? Um, if, he, if he is good in the air, why, why not use that in some instances at least? Uh, Prince Aying, um, he's like the talk of the town in the training camp or it has been. Um, so I think he will get his minutes early on because just he's, he's riding on a wave now um, and he will, he will get minutes. It's just uh, he's one of the the revelations of the first few weeks under Tercic in the second stint. And, um, I mean, people are waving about him. Him, Bellingham, these are kind of... Ötchan, in a way, when he's not injured, these are the <laughs> kind of the winners of the preseason. Yeah, uh, I I wrote down uh, some uh, positives and negatives from the preseason. I actually in, intended to do it in a B4B update, but I just get the time because my wife and I were on a small vacation, but uh, I can read them out to you now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the positives are that Marco Royce uh, said that the team never trained harder than this preseason, which, uh, you know, if it's true, is great. Um, the new signings speak positive of the group dynamic. <laughs> um, the 3-1-4-2, or as you just called it, the 3-4-1-2, right? Uh, looks like a system that suits the current squad the best. Alexander Meyer looked very strong uh, for a second goalkeeper. I think that's pretty important. Um, Adi, Yimi and Marlon seem to harmonize together as well if uh, Dortmund play in that system. 
Um, the pressing, I thought, uh, in the uh, preseason friendlies looked formidable as long as it was sustained, which wasn't long, uh, which also, of course, was an issue in the previous season. And uh, I also thought that Dortmund looked threatening in combination play and on the counter-attack, um, but obviously still early days. But, uh, you know, those were all my positives and that Mats Hummels is in great shape and that Marco Reus was able to start very early after uh, sustaining a muscular injury when he was away with the national team, which I think is also key. Um, on my negatives, obviously, that they only scored one goal uh, <laughs> in the two season friendlies against uh, Villarreal and Valencia, and uh, that was a penalty while they conceded five goals in those two friendlies. Not great, obviously, the uh, Alea diagnosis. Uh, you know, as Lars earlier said, it deflated the euphoria, and, uh, you know, it changes Dortmund's playing style to a certain extent and also severely limits the ability to lay any groundwork in the preseason. Uh, same goes for Charlie Oshan, missing the whole training camp with a bruise, uh, also limits the ability to lay groundwork in the preseason. Daniel Marlin, limited in training, limits the ability to lay groundwork in preseason. <laughs> same with Emre Can, missed most of the training camp. Gio Reyna, still not anywhere near full team training. Um, also not ideal. Matteo More has to take things slow still. So, um, you know, while it's positive to see him back and with a smile, uh, you know, it would have been nice to see him more involved already. And uh, yeah, Tom Rote, as we just talked about, he picked up a hip flexor injury. So um, he's not fully fit yet. Uh, and yeah, also negatives that Manuel Kanji and Nico Schultz have not been transferred yet. And we're just sort of sticking out like sore thumbs at the training camp. So basically, these were sort of my notes and my uh, preseason vibes. Um, so I guess with that, we can sort of transition um, to the, I guess, striker situation uh, last. And I think we can make this brief because we've talked about it a little bit. But uh, names right now are Edinson Cavani, who could uh, be signed on a free transfer. Edin Dzeko, who is at Inter. And uh, yeah, I also think Akadiusz Milik and... Uh, I, I don't know, I've even heard Piontek, I'm not entirely sure about that one, but uh, uh, out of these names, what are you making out of it? Should Dortmund, uh, should Alea be out for, say, the entire half of the season or more than two months? Uh, should they try to assign another striker or not? I mean, if economically feasible... Uh, to get someone who adds value and isn't just another body that stands in the way of the development of uh, especially Adeyemi and Mokoko, then obviously they should try to sign someone. Uh, I'm just not convinced that you know there's an opportunity out there for that. Um, you mean, as an interesty, how realistic do you see the uh, Jiko rumor, which would be the 100th rumor that Dortmund, uh, or 100th time Dortmund have been linked with him? As an interesta. Um, Sorry, <laughs> I would say that uh, I mean he's on pretty decent wages at Inter, but obviously with Lukaku coming back, he's not looking uh, likely to get too many minutes. Then again, uh, Simone Inzaghi really likes uh, to switch his strikers around. I mean, last season he usually brought on both uh, strikers from the bench in in most games after you know sixty five seventy minutes or so. So I'm not convinced Jaco wants to leave necessarily, especially given that Dortmund is looking at, you know, a, situa a, a solution for six to 12 months, you would assume. I mean, we're all assuming that Alea is going to come back and be ready to go at some point this season. Um, so yeah, I'm not convinced Jaco makes makes much sense for them. I think uh, also Jaco is, I think, 36 years old. He scored, I think, 13 league goals in uh, Serie A last season, but uh, most of them came early and he definitely tailed off a bit in the second half of the season. Age is showing. I mean, he can still do a job, but I'm, I just don't see it. Uh, Cavani is also quite old. He wants uh, absurd wages, according to a report from Sportbild uh, this Wednesday, and, uh, in the vicinity of 10 million for one year, which Jesus. is... <laughs> it's definitely not happening at Dortmund. Uh, I can no. tell you that much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Milik strikes me as a possible solution because I think uh, Marseille are in financial trouble. Um, probably would like to sell him then and not necessarily loan him out, but still, maybe if uh, wages are a problem for them, that would be someone, I think, you know, someone who uh, already went to Marseille on loan uh, from Napoli, knows how to score goals, uh, all that so maybe an option um 
Piontek, I mean, I would literally shoot myself. Um, <laughs> but a, another former Hertha striker might be an option, uh, John Cordoba, uh, because uh, he's at Krasnodar in Russia. And obviously there's an opportunity, I think, uh, that special window, if you like, is still open to sign someone from Russia without, you know, too many financial repercussions, as seen uh, when Schalke signed midfielder Alex Kral. Um, Cordoba is obviously not necessarily a huge goal scorer, although he'd had a couple of decent scoring seasons in Germany, especially for Cologne, if memory serves. But, mm -hmm. you know, he's at least uh, would be uh, an option that they don't have right now in, in being, you know, a physical number nine. So especially if you want to change things up from the bench, um, that would be perhaps an option. But again, ultimately, I think unless, you know, Ale is out for six months and they need someone else. So if it's uh, more a two, three month situation and there's nobody available to them, I would advise against just signing someone so you can say we tried. Um, if, if, If you have to play Adeyemi, Malen and Mukoko, that's still 60 million euros of investment within the last 13 months or 12 months or whatever. And you still have uh, Mukoko, who's uh, this massive talent on whose behalf you lobbied for a role change in the Bundesliga. So if, if this isn't the opportunity to play those guys, then I guess questions have to be asked why you signed Uh, Malen and Adiem in the first place and why Mukoku should extend his contract at Dortmund. Yeah, also, if you play with the attack uh, the way you played against Villarreal, Konstantin, uh, I think you have a system that favors Dortmund overall, as I said earlier, because of the fullback situation, because then they become wingbacks and makes life a bit more easy uh, in, in that regard. Um, so, Konstantin, uh, Quickly, what's your opinion on the striker situation? Do you think uh, Dortmund should add an Halea profile type player, as uh, Tiasic, I think, said it at today's press conference? Yep, um, that's, that's what they're looking at. That's why also the like uh, rumors about Timo Werner, for instance, were completely out of thin air, basically. That's where uh, I would shoot myself, by the way. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean Dortmund, Dortmund looked at Timo Werner, but uh, they also uh, assessed that they can't pay his wages, basically, because it's 9 million pounds uh, per year as a base as a base wage. So, nope, that's not happening um, right now. So, uh, it, it depends a little bit on what Terzic decides to do. He was very determined to play the 4-2-3-1 with Allaire as a center forward. He, he wanted to have these, uh, you know, um, these cross passes from 30 yards out and stuff like that. He trained already to do that, to, uh, you know, to get behind the line and bring Allaire in uh, into the positions. Um, of course, it's all off the table. Uh, when they trained 4-2-3-1 uh, now or tried to tried it out uh, during preseason, uh, Mukuku was this was the lone striker up front um, when they played with a with a double uh, in a two-man attack then it was Marlon and Adeyemi I think I don't know I, I don't like Marlon and Adeyemi uh, at the same time on the pitch because both like to uh, get through the left half space um, uh, Marlon scored four of his five goals with his left foot usually going through the left half space like uh, last season Adeyemi drifts to the left a lot so you got a little bit of an issue there I think um, so I mean if you really want to go with a lone striker and you uh, trust Mukuku then you should do it and maybe sign no one else um, and then maybe try Adeyemi sometimes a lone striker and see what you can do with him although he's not really a lone striker um, or you just uh, think that the two man attack is better uh, which I think at this point might be um, although you're, you're lacking that physical number 10 you usually need with a two man attack that drifts wide and Marco Reis isn't the that number 10 you need there. Um, there's also a situation with Marco Reus. I mean, let's be honest, he's, he's hi highly controversial or he's controversially discussed internally uh, because, I mean, he's like, he's, he's has, he's, he has an automatic start and starting 11 spot, but some think he doesn't deserve it. And I might agree actually, especially if, if Reyna's fit. Um, so there's a bit of a situation. You need a more physical number 10 behind two drifting uh, forwards. You don't have that really, um, unless Reyna suddenly becomes fit and you know and he's like physical and everything i don't see that right now um in terms of so there's it's a yes and no answer i don't know i'm not really convinced that they will score a lot of goals with the setup they have right now be it the lone striker mukuku or be it uh, the two-man attack adeimi marlin um they have no one else in the club 
let's be honest, Bradley Fink, they, they um, promoted him to the training camp. Um, he's not. He's not f uh, suitable to play in the Bundesliga right now, and he might never be. Uh, he will probably, probably end up in Switzerland again, where his parents are. Um, and where they have influence. Um, so, in terms of what they have, or what they have been rumored, or what they have looked at, the, the strikers. I mean, Piontek. We can get it out of the way. They, have, they had a brief look at Piontek. That was it. Nothing else. Nothing else to it. Piontek won't come. Cordoba. Uh, they looked at it, but um, there are varying opinions among the reporters uh, right now. If if that's really something they did, or if it was more pushed by Russia or by Russian people, um, because Grasnodar. I mean, they're looking to sell him. Uh, Milik might be an interesting one. Um, Marseille were forced to sign him because of an option or a contractual clause for eight million from Napoli, um, but they want to get rid of him. Not because he's bad or anything, but. They don't have any money. So even a loan deal might be on the table here um, because they want to get rid of him to get him off the off the um, bill. So if you can pay his wages, which won't be that high because he played in Italy before he played for Ajax, before he played for Leverkusen. So he's not like um, on, on, on ridiculous wages. So maybe um, a loan deal and getting Milik for a year um, might not be the worst thing, to be honest. Um, just, you know, if you're not really convinced. So, what I would what I'd probably what I'd try to do is, uh, you play um, Munich, you play the small Munich, uh, 1860 probably called in, in English, uh, in the German Cup, that's not really a test um, to assess the striker situation. Then you play Bayer Leverkusen on the first match day of the Bundesliga, and that basically tells you a lot, uh, because, I mean, you can Arguably, or you can argue that maybe Bayer Leverkusen are on on eye level of Dortmund. So, if 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 it looks like the attack is not really working against a team like Bayer Leverkusen, then you have to do something, I guess. Um, and right now, Dortmund are really only assessing and only reaching out to a few people, but there haven't haven't been any concrete negotiations with anyone uh, because I think Dortmund themselves they don't know what to do right now. Um, so yeah, Milik maybe uh, all the other options don't make much sense. Um, and maybe you can, uh, yeah, throw a hell Mary and maybe try Mukuku against by Leverkusen and see how it works. Yeah, I would probably go with uh, Malin and Adeyemi uh, against Leverkusen just because of of the pace and uh, exploit that. I think they're a bit quicker than uh, Mukuku, but uh, you know, it's it's really hard to assess. And we should also still highlight that Sebastian Kiel today said that they themselves don't exactly know uh, how many uh, months it's going to be. Uh, that uh, Alia will be absent, and o and also like I mean, you, you have to discuss even if he comes back, it is like um, not ill anymore, so to say, right? Like, what's his fitness level then? Yeah, no idea. Uh, right? I mean, uh, does he have to go through like I don't know, a three month uh, camp basically to uh, get his fitness back to professional level? I mean, you don't know because you don't know what what uh, such an injury, uh, such an illness makes to your does to your body. Um, so that's and also I mean before he, and maybe there was the illness uh, when he the first few days uh, during preseason I mean he was really a not a shadow of himself but some some people said that he was very unimpressive and maybe there was really the illness already right uh, but he was very unimpressive he was very like sluggish and not not really a presence which you would expect from a guy like him who's also as tall as he is and all, all this stuff but he wasn't really there um so i mean maybe there was an indication that you know even if he comes back and is illness free uh he needs time to actually get to that kind of ajax ajax champions league level yeah might be so um i guess we can segue to our expectations for the season uh obviously uh, with all the negatives I just read out, uh, the fact that, for example, Charlie Oshan was hardly a factor in the in the training camp, and but but Ragazza, I think we're in for a really rocky start of the season. Um, so here to cheer me up now is uh, Mister Enthusiasm himself, Lars. <laughs> what what do you think we're in for uh, going into the season? We obviously have some excitement with new signings, uh, but we also have a new coach new sporting director, a lot of new backroom stuff, etc. So, uh, <laughs> tell, tell me what uh, you imagine is going to unfold uh, in the next, uh, I don't know, nine months or so, however long the season goes. Well, I think it's not necessarily a great year to have so much turnover, uh, given it's the World Cup 
in winter season uh, with I think 26 matches until the the Bundesliga break in November uh, might be even more depending on the cup or whatever so a, a lot of games anyway in a short amount of time uh, which you could say is a positive in terms of a team gelling quickly but also you basically uh, as a Champions League side from like early September you probably don't spend more than two days on the training pitch per week most of it uh, for regenerative purposes so there's not a lot you can fix let's say in, in in practice if you believe in practice as a means of fixing things in football nowadays which i guess is debatable but uh, not here necessarily um yeah i think it's definitely going to be a bit of a struggle uh, especially early on as you said also uh, quite a difficult schedule for Dortmund i mean uh 1860 in the cup is one of the uh, more difficult draws Dortmund could have had. I mean, there are fifth and I think a couple of sixth division teams maybe even in the cup this season in the first round. So getting a team that was pretty close to promotion into the second division uh, in, in the cup away from home, obviously, at, at uh, 1860's legendary ground, uh, that's definitely not one of the easier draws. So uh, first round of the cup might be a bit of a struggle, even if you obviously expect them uh, to advance. Then you have uh, the traditional, quote-unquote, uh, season opener against Leverkusen, which I guess if they lose is a good sign because they lost uh, in their <laughs> uh, first title season under Jürgen Klopp, if I'm not mistaken. They did. Um, then I think it's Freiburg, right? Second match day? or Yes. Yeah, Another so, Freiburg away game on match day two. That never happened yeah, either. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, ever since Christian Streich beat Dortmund for the first time, they've become almost a bogey team for Dortmund. So um, we can easily look at those three games in, in alone and, and there's a conceivable way in which Dortmund maybe win one of these and uh, hope for the best that they don't lose the other two now out of the cup already. So it's definitely not going to be an easy start. I think definitely also the entire Allaire situation, not necessarily only obviously from the sporting perspective, because as I said earlier, he might have just picked up a, a knee injury and might have missed the first month of the season. A bit like Ostrand seems to be struggling to get on the training pitch right now. Uh, so, but from the perspective of such a shocking diagnosis and something that you just don't think happens uh, to young people and, and to athletes, even though obviously uh, testicular tumors uh, are the most common in, in young men. So uh, check your balls, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a, a, a bit of a struggle at the start of the season. And from then on, I think uh, a lot of uh, it just depends on rhythm and, and fitness and, and so on. Uh, I think Leipzig have the advantage of not having too much turnover. I mean, they might lose Konrad Leimer to Bayern, but I think Xaver Schlager from Wolfsburg is a reasonably solid replacement and I presume they would sign someone else still. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have let go necessarily of a guy like Tyler Adams or I assume anyway. Uh, Raum obviously uh, will be a bit of an improvement, I would say, over Angelino, especially with uh, Silva in front. Uh, I can definitely see Raum delivering 7-10 to 10 assists to Andre Silva's noggin. So I think Leipzig are more likely to challenge Bayern uh, this season than Dortmund, uh, even if that's not something most people will want to hear. Not sure how much of a challenge to Bayern that's actually going to be, but that's uh, definitely not a topic for a Dortmund podcast. So I think, uh, as Konstantin alluded to earlier, uh, Dortmund might be mm, looking more towards Leverkusen and, and a battle for third and fourth, perhaps. Uh, the good thing, I would say, is that I don't necessarily see anyone uh, from, you know, fifth and lower from last season making a push into that group. I think, uh, despite how incredibly Union, for example, have performed, or Freiburg, there's still a bit of a gulf in, in just general quality. And also we have to wait and see how those clubs deal with, uh, you know, the demands of three uh, competitions in the World Cup year. So I actually think 
if anyone's going to make a push like that, it's going to be Gladbach under Farke just because I rate him so highly, but I don't necessarily think that Dortmund are likely to be challenged by Gladbach for a Champions League spot. So to make a very long story short, I think Dortmund are likely to end up third or fourth in the league. So Champions League football guaranteed, in my opinion, which uh, given the amount of turnover uh, this summer uh, would be an okay result, I guess. Uh, Cup beat uh, 60 München and then, then wait and see uh, whom you face and when you face you know Bayern, Leverkusen or Leipzig or Gladbach or Frankfurt so one of these good teams where losing wouldn't be you know an embarrassment like uh, the St. Pauli game last season and lastly in the Champions League I mean Dortmund are in the third pot so it's going to be a quite difficult draw um, without a reliable goal-scoring striker, uh, Champions League might be very difficult. So I would assume, kind of, that Dortmund will once again drop down to the Europa League and hope that they take it a bit more seriously than they did last season against Rangers. Konstantin. Yes, um, I'm much more positive, actually. Um, I think, like, the the, the back three, uh, the back line is... Yeah, I think that that might might be something uh, to as a base basically. I mean, you still you have also Kobel who uh, goes into his second season, and if he can, um, you know, basically be as as good as he was uh, the past few the past twelve months, I think you also have a, a tremendous goalkeeper behind that back three. Um, there's the only question mark right now is maybe Niklas Süle a little bit. I mean, he was trying to hide a little bit of his um, maybe. Remaining body fat <laughs> during training camp. If you watch closely, <laughs> especially in training sessions, <laughs> he uh, he wore very loose uh, clothing sometimes. <clears throat> Anyhow, but I think he will be fit uh, for the start of the season, at least the Bundesliga season. Uh, Hummels, I mean Hummels knows that he can't he can't play all the matches. Uh, but I think if if all three center backs are uh, there, you have a tremendous back three. Guerrero is fit. Um, that's that's a plus. Um, and he's really fit. Um, as I said, like he surprised everyone, uh, essentially. Um, so that's that's a good one. Uh, Bellingham is almost at 100% right now, so that's that's a plus. Dahoud will play instead of Achan. Uh, um, and Dahoud, I think Tertic, what you also know from Tertic, from internal talks, is that Tertic has really uh, focused on getting Dahoud ready to be that kind of deep-lying playmaker. Um, well, I really was thinking about that the other day because Lars obviously has dubbed him the lockdown in Yester, which uh, stuck, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, obviously, coincidentally, uh, you know, his his rise, so so to speak, also came with Eden Terzic or, or under Eden Terzic. So uh, maybe this is something positive that we might look forward to. I don't know if it's down to Terzic or the lack of fans, but, uh, you know, I'll... I'm I'm open for arguments that also might have something to do with Eden Tersic. So continue, sorry. Yeah, of course, uh, Tersic is working uh, with Dahoud, in ter- especially in terms of like bringing him into positions where he doesn't have too many touches, where he can uh, play the ball quite fast, you know, play the next pass quite fast, so um, that he doesn't have you know, five, six touches before he m- uh, makes the next pass. So to maybe accelerate his entire game a little bit as a as the deep-lying playmaker, because what Tersic wants is he uh, wants a bit of a Edgeon is basically the perfect player for that, but he wants like the, the kind of deep lying, you know, passer, playmaker type of guy, and the and the, and the runner. Uh, Bellingham probably best option there, um, you know, to make these these deep runs, um, and that will be even more important if you don't really have Alea up front. So Bellingham has to probably cover 80 yards. Just you know, he has to. Uh, but right now he's up to it because Bellingham is, looks like he he can beat an entire team on his own. Um, so uh, Brand is uh, Brand is the other option uh, for the hood position. By the way, um, he has uh, has been tested there, and I think uh, against some teams, uh, Brand will also be. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work well against a couple of teams uh, as, a, as basically that playmaker type. Um, yeah, and um, then up front, I have some doubts, especially uh, regarding Daniel Marlin, but maybe it will work. Or maybe you give Mokuku more of a chance. I mean, Mokuku is, of course, has the confidence, um, maybe a little overly confident at times. Uh, but there, there's probably also what you can see right now is, or what you have seen the past few weeks is, that um, Mokuku has improved... I think technically he was always always good, but uh, when you when you watch like the first twenty games in the Bundesliga, uh, he made um, he often like had a bad first touch. It wasn't be, uh, because of 
you know his technical uh, technical um, circumstances was more because he was too hectic, too kind of determined to make a quick move, and then he wasn't really focused on the on the first touch, so he made a bad first touch, and then he overreacted um, and tried to overcorrect, and then he made another bad first, uh, never second touch, or maybe played a bad pass. So I think uh, that has been improved, um, and you see now he's a bit more calm, and he makes far less uh, mistakes. So I think um, maybe now you see more of the type of confident Mukuku you saw, you know, at the youth level where you basically was confident because he knew was just better than everyone else. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think there's also uh, maybe a Mukuku coming out party uh, this season, so that might also help. Um, so, overall, I've, I mean, I'm quite a positive. Um, Marco Royce has to get... Um, I mean, the problem with Marco Royce is, like, like, from a footballing perspective, he's still good. Um, it's just... I mean, he's still the captain, and, like, there are a lot of... or a couple of people now at Dortmund who question actually the decision that he's still a captain because he's not the captain in terms of like leadership he's, ju he's just not and he's also an, no one who's, who will, will attract the team uh, through stormy time so um, yeah that's probably a little bit of an issue but luckily you've got Bellingham who's already taking a little bit of that leadership role in midfield um, and who might just be that to uh, you know step in and track the team a little bit behind him in his in his in his uh, with a slipstream so yeah um, I'm much more positive. I think Dortmund will, of course, beat uh, beat 1860, 8060, um, Munich, and um, I mean, to be honest, they might actually beat Bayer Leverkusen because Bayer Leverkusen, as good as that team is, they still don't have that playmaker in midfield. They still don't have that anchor player. Um, and I don't know. I mean, they invest all the money in all the kinds of positions, but they still have don't have that anchor player. So that will hinder them from any tremendous success this season. So I don't know what Leverkusen are doing. Um, but yeah, so I, I think Dortmund will uh, have a decent start if they can figure out which is the best striker setup um, and then go from there. Well, I personally have a couple of you know, things that I want to happen this season in the Bundesliga in particular. I want six points against Schalke, I want six points against Bochum, and I want at least three points against Bayern. <laughs> These are sort of my demands going into this season. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, th I, th I think, uh, you know, after so many years without beating Bayern, I think uh, Dortmund uh, should <laughs> get one W at least. Um, that, that You know, just my hopes and dreams, but... Uh, you know, my question is also about the intangibles, uh, really. <laughs> you know, how immaculate will the vibes be, if you want to uh, say it like this, uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, Borussia Dortmund forming a new spirit uh, with new signings and uh, a different coach, and uh, whether that will make a, a difference or that, uh, say, catastrophes like Zampauli last season uh, don't particularly happen as often again because that was uh, quite embarrassing and... Uh, you know, I. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I think this is also quite important for Dortmund that um, you know, especially if if things don't go all that smoothly from the get go, that uh, they you know formulate a winning spirit that uh, helps them see out results, uh, even though uh, the playing uh, the, or the football development isn't quite there yet. So these are uh, factors that I have an eye on and. Right now, I'm feeling quite positive about them. I don't. I obviously still might be proven wrong, but uh, yeah, I also have a rather positive outlook on the season. Um, but uh, yeah, the the one uh, really big uh, negative is going to be uh, the absence of Alea and as last said, especially when it comes to um, being successful in the Champions League. Um, I'm I have my doubts right now because uh, I subscribe to the notion as well that you need. A prolific goal scorer up front, and uh, maybe Adeyemi, Malen, and Mukoko can become that. But uh, right now, I do not see that. So um, yeah, I have my doubts about uh, a European run, but uh, I obviously will be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I'm also in the same camp as last when it comes to the cup game. I think it's going to be difficult against 1860 on Friday. Um, but that being said, I'm I'm fairly hopeful that Dortmund can. Uh, make a nice uh, cup run again and uh, if they go out will not go out uh, you know with the tail between the legs so to speak and uh, for the Bundesliga I I do think that Dortmund will compete for second or third place 
um, just as Lars said, I don't know if there's going to be a title run in store for Dortmund. Um, a lot of things have to come together for that. Um, so, yeah, as, as much as I would say, okay, now Dortmund, uh, after all the signings they made, uh, clearly can attack uh, Bayern and uh, maybe uh, throw them off their throne. Um, but my enthusiasm just does not extend to that. Uh, Constantine, you said you were positive. Do you do you have a feeling that uh, Dortmund could make a title run? Because uh, I do not see enough evidence for that. I thought that before the uh, Allaire um, illness. Um, now I don't see it anymore. Um, I still think that Bayern will struggle. Uh, I think people are a bit, um, yeah, a bit... Uh, I know, overexcited by the signings they made. I mean, they, of course, I mean, Mane and uh, Matthijs De Ligt are uh, great signings, but um, I, sp I think especially De Ligt, um, not overrated, but I think pe people might think that he's a 70 million signing, and I'm not sure about that. Uh, he's a bit stagnated. Um, might, might be because of Juventus, but I also think um, that uh, people now expect him to be like Virgil van Dijk or something, and he's not right now. Um, and also he has to uh, improve in some areas, but that's a different story. Um, and also they, they don't have Lewandowski, Lewandowski anymore. Um, they will also, you know, same situation in a, in a very different way, but it's the same situation. They will also probably play with a, a two-man attack. Um, there's Tnabry and Mane. Um, We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Um, there might be a different issue. They also have like one player, one attacking player who's who's said to be always in the starting eleven. There is Thomas Müller. Dortmund is Marco Reus. There might be an issue with Thomas Müller that there's not really a position for him. Maybe sometimes. So um, yeah, they also face some issues. Not like they they are you know steamrolling everyone. Um, I think if Dortmund had Alea right now, the, yeah, I would actually because that what what I told or what I said a few weeks ago, I actually expected Dortmund to. Um, win the championship but then Alea got the diagnosis and now I'm not so sure anymore but with Alea I would actually favor Dortmund um, to be honest because uh, Bayern will have some issues and uh, Nagelsmann will might, might be on the fire at some point because uh, he's not he's not uh, the you know the like stable figure there as some people might uh, might expect um, he's also under pressure a lot actually that's um, a so lot of positivity though I, I like it I, I'm, I'm here for it uh, yeah of course you know we sure. are at the yellow war pod often get criticized that we're a bit too negative and uh, <laughs> I can understand why that is but uh, um, yeah so uh, lastly I would like to end uh, and we still have a little bit of time on our theoretical best 11s uh, meaning sort of in a vacuum so not uh, uh, optimized for the opponent and uh, just the you know if if you could pick the best players uh, the best 11 uh, I don't care what system you pick but uh, you know considering or assuming everyone is fit and healthy and ready to go so uh, last you have the honor to go first Thanks, Stefan. Um, <laughs> uh, goalkeeper uh, Gregor Kobel. Right okay. back Thomas Meunier. Center back pairing uh, Süle Schlotterbeck. Left back Guerrero. Uh, defensive midfielder Sali Özcan. My pick for player of the season, and I'm not Matthias Sommer. <laughs> um, central midfielder one. Jude Bellingham, central midfielder 2, Giovanni Reina, um, right winger-esque, basically do what you want, Marco Reus, uh, striker, does Alea count? Yes. Then Alea, uh, left winger slash shadow striker, whatever, uh, Daniel Malen. Okay, so um, that's a 4-3-3, right? Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, mine is very similar. I have a 4-2-3-1 uh, with uh, Kobel and Gold and also the same backline with Meunier, Süle, Schlotterbeck and Guerrero. Then I have a double pivot with Öschan, Bellingham and then uh, as a number 10 I have Reus, I have Reiner on the right and Adiemi on the left and then Alea up top. That's my theoretical best 11 right now. So it's not that different from, from yours. Uh, but uh, yeah... I'm, I'm, I really wonder if, to me, Adeyemi is a bit of a wild card, to be honest. Uh, I could have also picked Brandt or Marlen. Uh, also, <laughs> had a quick think about Bino Gittens, but I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do appreciate Adeyemi's pace a little bit over uh, Marlen, so that's sort of uh, why I picked him. But, uh, yeah, it's very similar. So, uh, Constantine, I'm very intrigued to hear yours. 
and yeah, so I got the difference. I got Kobel in goal. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, then I have a back three. Um, is Marin Bronkacic still there? No. no. <laughs> ah, all right. Uh, Schlot Schlotterbeck on the left, uh, Hummels in the middle, and Süle on the right. Um, then Guerrero as a left wing back. I got uh, Ötchan and Bellingham as the two center midfielders. I got Mounier on the right with like sometimes leaning to Wolf. I'm not. I'm not sure actually. Um, my actually, yeah, still Mounier. Yeah, actually, no. also around. Moray is also runs in our theoretical best eleven. Yeah, but I I wouldn't play him as a right wing back. To be okay. honest. Um, no, I I actually play Wolf on the right side uh, as the wing back, and then I have two um you know number tens basically whatever you want to call it, and that's um, Reina and Royce, and I got Alea up front. Um, and yeah. And uh, like Adeyemi is like chipping in for Ivar Royce or Reina all the time. Okay, did he did he say a double pivot or defensive yeah. midfield? I've yeah, Bellingham and Ötchan. Okay, okay, I may, I might have missed that, but uh, and yeah. and Emre Can is uh, sitting on the stands. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, my theoretical best eleven, Emre Can is actually sitting on the surface of the sun. So yeah, he's actually playing for Schalke or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that would be too cruel. <laughs> yeah, all right. As also, Schalke would, would, uh, don't have the money to like, <laughs> not even close to. Uh, yeah, get neither do Dortmund really. But uh, yeah, well, that's a topic for another day. Well, um, well, well, that's like the same with Schlotterbeck, and now the Akanji money is still not there. <laughs> all right, so uh, sh should we do season predictions? So uh, cup exit, uh, Champions League exit, and uh, uh, league position. I guess I'll start with a. Uh, I think Dortmund will win the cup. They will uh, finish second in the Bundesliga and they will uh, then move to the Europa League and then crash out in the semi final. That is my prediction for the season. Lars, what is yours? Third in the Bundesliga, quarterfinals in the cup, uh, losing to uh, either one of the clubs I mentioned earlier, so Bayern, Leverkusen, Leipzig. Frankfurt, Gladbach, you know, the, the type of club I mean. Um, drop down to the Europa League, uh, quarterfinal exit. Okay, Konstantin? Yeah, so uh, second in the league, um, final cup, so final cup, um, playing against um, Frankfurt or something, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and getting to the... With a little bit of a, of a lucky draw, uh, getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League because they will uh, draw just um, I don't know just uh, Porto and Sevilla in the in the group stage of the Champions League, which is actually possible, by the way. Or maybe All like right. Porto and Tottenham or something. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, Dortmund had the group of death from a higher position, and uh, other clubs had the easier draws uh, from pot four. <laughs> you know, it does happen. So uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's funny, right? I mean, also uh, for other teams like Frankfurt is also like pot one. So I mean, Dortmund can't get Frankfurt, of course, but still. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that will conclude our 2022-23 uh, season preview. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Lars and Konstantin. Uh, Lars, uh, as always, uh, please tell people where to find you on the internet if they are willing to do so. You say, as always, Stefan, but I uh, remember a number of episodes now where you didn't make us do this. Well, okay, now I am, as always. <laughs> yeah, follow me or don't at Lars Polman. <laughs> Very nice. And Konstantin? Don't. Uh... Yeah, yeah right. they can. I mean, I agree. Yeah, don't. Ah, uh, you you're one of these guys who have like in the bio and don't follow me or something. I have ten thousand five hundred whatever, and I think that's about nine thousand too many. <laughs> ah, well, we can take care of that. I we we just called the Twitter board or something. Uh, no, why why uh, do you need thousand followers? What? Uh, why? Yeah, you're narcissistic or something. No, I I don't need any, but for it to be an <laughs> oh. enjoyable. For it to be an enjoyable experience, uh, ten and a half is way too much, and you guys both have more than me, so you will appreciate that sentiment, I suppose. I like every one of my followers. I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Um, 
Uh, yes, Weird. I've I've met every uh, I don't know how many nineteen thousand in person, obviously. Um, Constantine, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, plug your work, uh, be my guest. Yeah, um, I mean, season starts again. Just follow me on Twitter, and you uh, will be up to date with all the stuff that's going on. Um, be it uh, written, be it on commentary, or be it in some I don't know radio, TV form. Very nice. Yeah, you can follow me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter. You can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Yellow Wall, where you will find the B4B update if you want to be up to date with Borussia Dortmund news of the day. And uh, yeah, of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast there, uh, but also via all the other podcatchers and pod feeds. We have a link tree. So uh, just find us at Yellow Wall Pod on uh, Twitter and then you can see the link or go to our website, theyellowwall.net. And yeah, we shall be back with another episode previewing the game against Leverkusen and then talking about the uh, hopeful cup win against uh, 1860 Munich. And until then, uh, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>